This is episode 36, The Kindness Warriors. Of course, growing up in the performing aspect, you learn how to flip the switch. You learn how to, hey, I'm fighting with my brother backstage because he cheated when we were playing a video game. And then we go out on the stage, never mind, you know, yeah. flip the switch. And at first, I always said, oh, we're the best at flipping the switch, but that's toxic, right? Yeah. And then I learned as we talked is, as me playing music, directing, any aspect is I am my brand, right? And what that means is instead of trying to flip a switch, if I just allow myself to be myself, then not only is that healing myself in some degree because I'm just sharing that and I'm not trying to fake anything, but it's also the only way to sustain anything. And for, for me, that just meant the person on stage and the person off stage, instead of it trying to be yeah, two different people or one person is, my goal is I want the person on stage to try to be as good as the one I'm, I'm working on every day off stage. Okay. And what that has allowed me to do is create more and more memories as time continues because me going over here and doing one thing for, you know, whatever it was, whether it be a concert, a festival, celebration of life, continuously opens other doors without trying or realizing. I was at the NAMM show last year and an extended family member had passed away and wanted to have someone perform Over the Rainbow on ukulele at her celebration of life. And so I went to the Calibrand ukulele booth and I had the great fortune of meeting our next guest, Anthony Cayuca Stanley, whose warm heart and gentle manner immediately put me at ease and let me know that he knew the value of celebrating family and who would bring the healing presence of Hawaii that no doubt this family member related so much to this place and this culture. I caught up with Anthony while I was in San Diego and we recorded at a busy cafe so there's a little bit of noise in the background but uh, we hope you don't mind. There are so many gems in this one and I can't wait to share it with you. So please enjoy my interview with Anthony Kaoka Stanley. This is the Language of Creativity podcast. This is the Language of Creativity podcast, and I'm here with Anthony Kayuka Stanley, wonderful-hearted human, is joining me here in Carlsbad, California, North County, San Diego, for a little impromptu podcast recording. So, Anthony, you're preparing for a big luau coming up, big performance. Yeah. Tell me a bit about your family's company and what you're preparing to do this week. Perfect. Okay. Um, so, August 19th, we have actually, it's called a ho'ike. Ho'ike basically translates to production, more like a recital format, but a higher scale. And right now, um, my family, we have a Polynesian dance company. Our name is Hea'ali'is. It's H-E-A-L-I-I-S. Hea'ali'is Polynesian Review. And my mom is the founder of the Kumuhula, and we are now in year 56 of when she started the company. 56? 56. 56. Yeah. Wow. I can't take credit for um, the past 56 years, but at least as long as I've been here. <laughs> and um, yeah, we're getting ready. We have right now, I believe, a little under 200 performers that are in the production. And yeah, we're just finalizing all the details. We just did a couple festivals this past weekend. And 
Yeah, I'm the music director for Our Halal, our Polynesian dance company, and my cup's overflowing always. 200. Yeah. That's a lot of logistics. <laughs> That's a lot of people. It's a good amount. It's yeah. a good amount. And so you mostly do things all over the California area, right? Yeah. Uh, Southern California, sometimes you travel. Sometimes we travel, but mainly we stay within California region. I mean, we'll always do normally like an annual kind of concert series in Vegas, of course, up and down the coast here in California. Sometimes we'll go back. I'll be in Maui in September, Oahu in October, but that's our other home base. Oh, um, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you get to travel a lot. And Just a little bit. By the ocean. It's yeah. A, yeah. Tend to keep warm. Yeah. Can't complain about no, the weather. Never. Sounds great. <laughs> now, you and I met out at the NAMM show in yes. Anaheim, and you were you are a sponsored Kala artist mm-hmm. with Kala Ukuleles. Yeah. And it was so cool to meet you because it was a unique circumstance. I had a family member that's related to my wife who had passed away, and she had written out in her advanced directive. She had like a hundred yeah. step, yes. like, here's what <laughs> I want at my celebration of life. And that included someone performing over the rainbow, which of course, you know, in her version was is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of felt like, man, I got to find someone who understands and who really respects doing something like a celebration of life. Mm-hmm. And when I connect to the islands, I connect in the, the healing, the heart energy yeah. of the islands. And so when we met, it was like, okay, <laughs> this is going to be good. And it was such an incredible memorial service. I mean, it's private occasion, so we don't have to go into too many details. But yeah. uh, you just came and you brought all the heart and, of course, your voice and your playing. And you're quite the virtuoso at ukulele as well. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Play a little here or there. Yeah. yeah. So music director, what does that entail? Yeah. So um, depending on different projects. So, for example, our production right now, I have between typically... Any given circumstance for our shows, between a dozen and two dozen musicians, performers that I kind of direct and be in charge of, whether before the arrangements, contracting, sometimes we have two or three shows at the same time. So I have to have team A, team B over here and over there and be able to have a show be fluid. Um, so having multiple vocalists, instrumentalists, guys that can do it all, girls that can do it all. And then, of course, a Polynesian drumming and uh, just kind of building out our whole show and making sure no matter what you have one consistency two professionalism but before all that the heart and aloha always at the forefront so tell me a bit about your mom and how she got started yeah um that's a great one to start on so my mom if you ever get to meet her she is a very tall lady um <laughs> about what well, you met her, yeah about four four ten on a good day in shoes <laughs> And that's always the joke that uh, my siblings and I say is that we're always trying to fill her shoes, even though we outgrew her physical feet before <laughs> kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she, growing up in Hawaii, she learned under some of the most prolific kumuhula in Hawaii during the, I won't say her age, but of course the early 50s, 60s and 1900s. And yeah, I mean, just kind of giving, painting the picture for my, my mom between the ages of 8 and like 10, 11 years old, she was the chosen Hawaiian soloist or the kid, the child that was casted by the teams for like Harry Belafonte, Guy Lombardo, a lot of them for the big bands that they would do because they would be taking about, I think, two dozen of the top performers from Hawaii out to New York to do Jones Beach. Wow. Um, and they did. That's incredible. I believe it was shows for almost three months straight every single day. And the shows at Jones Beach at the time was the really large revolving stage where they had three different sets. I mean, they had pit orchestra, then they had a whole entire another orchestra that would come out over the um, 
on the stage coming up by to the water like my, when my mom describes it i'm just like i can't even fathom the amount of production that goes into it of course with some of the most well-known musicians directors and everything from incredible you know all of us and yeah i mean during that time she was the chosen child that would perform also for the kennedy family the reagan family wow during that time and yeah i mean my mom in hawaii and she was like a hawaiian child hawaiian child tv star she did a lot of that kind of stuff and some of the most like i said prolific kumuhulas um Auntie Nona Beamer, uh, Johnny, Lani Watkins, Auntie Mikey Ayu, which are all very, very prominent figures to this day that most of them aren't here anymore. And yeah, my mom was destined to continue down that path from an early age and didn't understand the impact that she would have. Yeah. And my granddad um, is a you know white Mormon man from Springville, Utah. <laughs> Met, of course, my, my Hawaiian Chinese grandma. And um, he ended up getting his orders to go to San Diego, Navy guy, right? Yeah. And so at that moment, um, my my mom, my aunties, uncles, and then my grandparents had to move to San Diego. Wow. And that was a huge moment, pivotal moment, because over there in Hawaii, you know, she was just fully taking kind of the reins and doing a lot of the different things. And a lot of the, you know, the teachers and the artists over there wanted her to stay. Yeah. And of course, she had to leave. And yeah. at that moment, she was one of the youngest in history at the time to be granted the right to teach. Because in our culture, I guess the closest similarity would be like a dojo, for example, maybe right. like a sensei. Yeah. But you can't just be like, you know what? I think it'd be pretty cool to open up a <laughs> Polynesian dance company and make some money, right? Um, you have to come from a lineage and have the rights and approvals, and it takes a long process. I was kind of like getting like your doctorates yeah. um, in our culture, and you have to do a lot of these different steps. And at the age... Of 11 and a half, 12 years old, um, when she was moving to San Diego, not by choice, being relocated, what happened was you know, the most prolific kumuhulas, the teachers from Hawaii, kind of as a consensus from them, they blessed my mom to say, basically, you have to continue doing what you're doing. And in California at the time, in the mainland United States, there wasn't a lot of representation. So yeah. in San Diego at the age of 12 and a half, she started her own Polynesian dance company. Incredible. Uh, <laughs> which, once again, another step that you just like, how do you fill those shoes, right? And, yeah. Um, what I learned and what I continuously learned from my mom is, you know, you never focus on the output or all the other X's and O's and numbers. It's just because at the age of 12 and a half, I can tell you, she didn't know too much about business. <laughs> and that's always my joke, you know? Yeah. Because still now, no kidding, kidding. Love you, mom. Um, <laughs> But the biggest reason is, at the age of 12 and a half, the reason why she could have a successful business is that it wasn't a business. Right. It was a passion. It was contagious. And she did everything because she loved to do it. Wow. And everybody felt that energy, whether it was, you know, a small show, a big festival, it did not matter. And it wasn't about being a leader. It's about how can you help people. And wow. when you do that, your input, you just invest in it, you will always have the output increasingly exponentially growing and that's what I learned from my mom and yeah I mean kind of talking a little bit earlier was this kind of setting the scene to saying yeah whatever we do is I try my best to not look in the short run right yeah and and I went to school for business and <laughs> music but the biggest thing that it taught me was yeah don't focus on the numbers and it's hard in our industry you know very of yeah. course being in California <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's about being 
something that you can be proud of that hey if something were to happen when i close my eyes tonight did i do enough and if not every day i can get up to say you know what i have something out there to do and for us we have a gift and the gift is only a gift if you share it and if not there's something going on and that's where i learned you know it's whatever we were blessed to do something that we love every day and to see the impacts directly indirectly now through social media but it's just yeah, for me, a lot of it stems back, of course, from my mom, my dad, and uh, my upbringing, and just a lot of guidance directly and indirectly that I didn't see at a young age. But as I started getting older and kind of wandering off doing my own thing, everything led me back to the best examples that I saw growing up without realizing it. It's incredible. I love how you share the idea of sharing your gift. And it's so apparent to me in meeting you and getting to hear you play at a family occasion. And just everything you share is obviously there's so much generosity in your family, but also in your heart as well. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because you and I can relate on the having famous moms. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom is a professional stunt woman who doubled Carrie on Moss in The Matrix Reloaded and yeah. Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2 and on and on and on and on. So I grew up on movie sets, you mm -hmm. know, and there's Arnold Schwarzenegger and there's this, you know, this celebrity that playing with Pierce Brosnan's kids in yeah, Malta, so cool. you know, <laughs> when I was five. <laughs> and it's interesting how that work ethic passes on. And it's also interesting how... For me, at least, there was this period of soul searching of like trying to fill those shoes mm -hmm. and also trying to find what was my unique contribution. Because for me, I was not going to fall into the family's lineage of stunts. Everyone yeah. assumed that I would, but that wasn't for me. And so I chose music. And But I can also see in a way how who she is as a person has passed down to me as well. Did you ever have that moment of needing to oh. figure it out? <laughs> Completely. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I went on my first tour at two years old, right? We grew up on stage, grew up on sets, right? And definitely the path that seemed like the alignment for me was one that's already been there, right? And my escape, I always make the joke, like in school, right? Uh, growing up, my escape was sports. Right. Whenever I had a sporting game, I couldn't be at a show or practice. So I yeah. was a triathlete, of course. I did oh, football, wow. football, basketball, or wrestling, volleyball kind of switched the two and you know academics I took it huge because I was like hey if I take all these AP classes I need time to study meaning I can't be at practice <laughs> you know and so everybody's like man how do you do so much I was like it was giving me a break actually <laughs> believe it or not no but uh yeah for me I guess yeah I was like oh I love football all these things I played football in college and my mindset wasn't to play in the NFL, of course. Yeah. But my mindset was, you know what? This is going to allow me to open other doors and maybe try new things and kind of get out of our space. And uh, I remember yeah, my senior year in high school, actually when my sister had um, her first baby, and that was my first you know, nephew or niece. And it kind of shifted my mind. My mind was, I'm going to go Ivy League, try to go as far as way as possible and play some sports over there, do some music, whatever, but kind of come to own and find myself, right? Yeah. And as we were getting closer and closer to me committing, I was like, I don't think I can be gone during the most important years of a new child's life coming in, you know? Mm. And I was like, I kind of want to be somewhat close. And that's awesome. when I shifted and went to Occidental over there in LA. Beautiful. And yeah, my life has always been doing a lot of things and then continuously doing more and saying, how much you can you put on one plate? And I always said, 
don't worry, I can grab another. You know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, and I often, I, I wonder how you do it. You're like, oh, I got this thing in the morning and then I got this thing in the afternoon. I have four hours before the next thing and I can do a podcast. And I'm like, uh, do you need some time to... Yeah, I was like, hey, well, I got some matcha right here. You yeah. Know, good. Um, it's incredible. But yeah, I mean, going off of that one, in terms of us doing what we do, right? And for me at a young age, I've always done a lot of different things. And at first I thought that was my thing holding me back. Yeah. But what I ended up realizing was, like for, for myself, for example, I'm Hawaiian, Mexican, Greek, Chinese, Irish, Spanish, German, and Cherokee, which is a little bit. Wow. Um, and growing up in a kind of multicultural ethnic home and everything, at first, I thought it put me in a box, right? Yeah. Because whenever I went to this side of the family, I'm the lightest, you know, the whitest looking one. Right. You go to this side. You know, then I'm not the white one. And you're like, what the heck is going on? Like, why can't I belong? You know, and so it was sure. a lot of this. Of course, growing up in the performing aspect, you learn how to flip the switch. You learn how to, hey, I'm fighting with my brother backstage because he cheated when we were playing a video game. You know, <laughs> or something, right? Yeah. And then we go out on the stage, oh, never mind. You know, yeah. flip the switch. And at first, I always said, oh, we're the best at flipping the switch, but that's toxic, right? Yeah. To some, to some degree. Yeah. And then I learned as we talked is, as me playing music, directing, any aspect is I am my brand, right? And what that means is instead of trying to flip a switch, if I just allow myself to be myself, then not only is that healing myself in some degree because I'm just sharing that and I'm not trying to fake anything, but it's also the only way to sustain anything. And for me, that just meant the person on stage and the person off stage, instead of it trying to be yeah, two different people or one person is, my goal is I want the person on stage to try to be as good as the one I'm, I'm working on every day off stage. Oh, that's um, awesome. And what that has allowed me to do is create more and more memories as time continues because me going over here and doing one thing for, you know, whatever it was, whether it be a concert, a festival, celebration of life, continuously opens other doors without trying or realizing. And that's what I've seen in my mom. And of course, my, my siblings and I, and it's a good way I feel to live because, yeah, it just allows you to be like, okay, how can I work on becoming better? Not in competition, but how can I work to, if something were to happen, am I okay with what I've done? That answer is always going to be no, but that answer allows you to kind of reset every day and to make the best of it. And yeah, I mean, going back to the multicultural thing before I went on the tangent was, the reason I was bringing that up is, yeah, I grew up feeling, yeah, I, I couldn't belong in whatever aspect. Yeah. And for me in sports, I always did so many sports. And then school, and I was like, well, once I got into high school, I was still you know, captain on whatever teams. And during the off season, a lot of my teammates only did sports or only did football. So then they had to, in the off season, work out, get better and train. Meanwhile, I'm not doing another sport. Right. And then... Every night from Mondays or Thursdays, we're at our studio or dance class from 5 to 11 to 10 p.m. at night before I come home at 11 to get up in the morning to go to morning workouts. Wow. This constant battle, wow. right? Yeah. And I was always like, man, if I only did this one sport, only did this one thing, how much better could I could be? And then as I got to you know sophomore, junior year, I was still the captain and was still doing this. Meanwhile, the ones that was second string or third string, and it's not any way to like boast, but they're the ones only doing the one sport. Right. And it didn't make sense to me. And I was like, well, they're training so much harder in that aspect. But then what I understood, and this is what, what I was trying to segue to, was 
no matter what we do, right? It doesn't matter how many things we do. The biggest focus is not even time management, but just being completely present spiritually, emotionally, yeah. in any kind of way, whatever it is that you're doing, you can only do that task. And everybody's like, man, how can you juggle so many things? And I was always like, I'm not trying to juggle anything, but I'm trying my best at whatever I'm doing at that moment. And what that taught you're there. me. Yeah. Yeah. And what that taught me was my dancing helped me in sports. Right. Because right. my balance, my strength, whatever, sports, right, helps me in academics or my dancing, right? And my memorization abilities, all the different techniques. And yeah, it taught me, yeah, time is finite. Take advantage of it, maybe toxic. But the biggest thing that taught me was, yeah, going back to me being put in a box, it was actually the opposite all along. It was yeah. me doing so many different things and me being so many different things. It's not in any way taken away from any one of the things that I connect with. Right. I am all of these things. Oh, and I'm cool. in a perfect position to be able to share and connect. Oh. And um, yeah, it took me a bit to see that. And that's why, yeah, my scheduling is pretty, pretty packed. Um, <laughs> but I always make the joke is like, you know, it's working. And the biggest reason for me, I feel it's not, I won't say time management abilities. I'm still working on that. Uh -huh. But it's just whatever that I'm doing, you know, I'm going to be... 1000% in to be present and just enjoy the moment. Yeah. And then that allows me to understand how much more, many more moments can I create every day. That also makes you a good performer. It does. Because you're connecting with the people who are there in your audience and, yeah. you know, you're there with them. It's a gift. It's truly a gift. And you bring all of your heart to every performance. And that's something that is rare in our world. Yeah. And gosh, you talk about tangents. We love to tangent on I this know, show. That's it. <laughs> I learned so much from you. And one of the things you said to me when I last saw you, you were performing. And afterward, you said, in my culture, ohana doesn't just mean family. Mm. Ohana is the work that you do for your family. Yeah. And that really stuck with me, you know, being in this period of time, like as an artist, trying to make it, trying to figure out, I have kids, you know, so I yeah. don't have the luxury of not worrying so much. But it was like this paradox of to be more successful, it feels like to lean harder into the things, to be more present into the things that mm -hmm. I feel creatively called to do. And that's what people are attracted to. Yeah. And so, you know, just that framework of the work being what you do for your family. I, I don't know, that just clicked for me. Yeah. And so you mentioned to complete the tangent circle, um, <laughs> you mentioned your entire family when your father was stationed in San Diego. Your grandfather. Your grandfather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, okay. But your entire family moved over to San Diego. Mm -hmm. And this included like also like grandparents and uncles and aunts, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's like they didn't just stay there and like, all right, have a good time. Yeah. I mean, some of them moved back, but. Say, for example, like my immediate nucleus, our family. Yeah. Because of the Polynesian dance group we have here. Yeah. The extension of family that we have built and the extension of family that in San Diego, it's a home away from home for a lot of people. Yeah. And for me, I think the greatest gift that I feel that I, I'm working on acquiring is not music, right? It's the ability to connect, to create a space that people can feel completely 100% safe, appreciated, inspired, and the ability to take a leap. Um, yeah. And yeah, going off of that, that's the goal. And what, you know, my mom has built, you know, like I said, we have 200 performers right now. Before pandemic, we had around 300 dancers, I'd say. But it's always this constant flow of new people coming in, some people leaving. We're in the fourth generation of some of my mom's original students. 
So not just their grandchild, their great grandchildren wow. are, are in our group. And that's one of the biggest Yelp reviews you can create. Uh, <laughs> and for us is just, yeah, even if we wanted to go back that way, we'll only go there to visit because we understand how much of an anchor that we are to so many other families out here. And yeah, yeah, off of that one, of course, yeah, realizing, you know, being cognizant of your words and what you do on any stage, whether that be in a conversation, in a car driving, yeah, um, or in our literal performance, right, is, you know, at first I thought I always had to perform, but as we talked is, you don't have to perform, you know, you just have to genuinely try. Yeah. That's it. And although we'd want to go back there, we go back there once, twice a year to see some family. We have family back over there. Some of them moved back, but we're out here now because, yeah, all of the families that Navy families or just moved to San Diego and a lot of their immediate families don't live in San Diego. Our family is now and what we've created is the family that every day, you know, they wake up to want to come to. Yeah. And for that, that's one of the biggest forms of richness and wealth that we strive to create and it always creates a space that now people can grow up kids grow up into young adults that grow up into bridesmaids groomsmen professional connections networking all because somebody had a passion to do something that they felt they were called to do to share the culture yeah and all the byproducts that come out of the trickle up effect you don't have to focus on it because it's not your focus but if you just focus more on whatever it is that you can bring to this world, that alone will create all these beautiful waves, you know. The best path is the one that either you're not trying to do, right? Alignment happens when you're just present and you're acknowledging it. And I feel that's what I've seen in my mom. I try to emulate and um, I see it in a lot of different people. So. Hmm. Yeah, amazing. I was uh, thinking about how a lot of people's connection to the islands... I don't think it's conscious, but I think that there's something about Hawaii that's very heart-centered, very earth. It's like if earth and heart energy could meet, yeah. you know, that's Hawaii. And so when people vacation there, when people connect to the music, they connect to the people. I feel like that's a big part uh, of the culture. And know it or not, I believe that that's kind of why people connect so much with what you do and the yeah. Polynesian Dance Review and things like that. Because... It's that energy carries, especially when you're describing the way you do it, you know, yeah. being really present with it. I'm sure a lot of it can just be song and dance and just outward appearance. But that's what really, you know, I love about music is music innately is so healing mm -hmm. and the islands are healing when you go there. And so maybe could you share a little bit of your music with us and share a little bit about the islands and what that means for you yeah. and your experience with that and the healing power of music? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll try to keep this one short. That's a lot of questions right there that are <laughs> I want to get into. Uh, but, yeah, for music, I started with music before I go into our culture, but music, you know, the broad spectrum. For me, it's one of the few rare things in this world that not only can you create a healing space for yourself, but simultaneously you can create it for an exponential amount of people. And, you know, whether, you know, you do meditation and practice mindfulness and other areas, or any art form, some of them were created that you can create that safe space and that healing space for yourself. Or for me in music and for us in music, we can simultaneously do both. And it's 
one of the most selfish yet unselfish things that you can do in this <laughs> world yeah is strive to heal yourself while seeing the impact of healing others and for me that's another nice toxic trait that i do is growing up i always said my happiness is a derivative of creating happiness yeah and for us we are creators and there's no way around it <laughs> and it's not anything to stress or carry extra weight it's actually a, a thing to be really proud of and you know when you can be able to see based off an event that you do or phone calls that you create or anything these new connections that were made that alone for me is worthwhile to see hey you know you as a producer you brought these two instrumentalists or musicians together that are from completely different sides of the musical world yeah. and yet now they become best friends and everything and seeing that impact indirectly even though that wasn't the focus your focus was to bring together something powerful but i said that the byproducts are always the most beautiful things i feel and when it's not the focus you become so much more aware of the gift and the power of the present and i feel of the beautiful movies that we live every day and a lot of the time whether that's be driving phone calls a lot of us miss the point because we're so focused on you know of course the not the journey but where the we're headed yeah that we're not being present to the most beautiful parts now that segues to of course the hawaiian culture and our polynesian culture in general similar to a lot of other cultures around the world that we stem from a huge pillar of respect family you know respecting your elders and understanding how to be there for people right and the extension of family and i think we talked about that too is yeah ohana the difference for kind of the western you know our european thought is your family extends to your nucleus and immediate family right right whereas say ohana or family in terms of some cultural land say in hawaii polynesia your family extends to those that are within your community right and for us you know it's just by having certain word changes for us growing up if you were somebody slightly older you're an auntie or uncle if you're somebody around the same age your cousin sister whatever right yeah if you're somebody a little older than that then you know you're like a grandparent called tutu right it's like the focus on creating a family is because in certain communities right it takes a whole village to be able to create anything yeah and the importance of instead of saying hey how can two of us compete for this one job how can i say how can i reach both your arms to create even another spot to have maybe three of us nice and that stems from our culture that is once you have that foundation in anything that you can understand the impact of every single individual and how we're all just beautiful pieces of of this beautiful mosaic kind of puzzle piece or art display not one piece bigger than this or whatever doesn't matter what title it is doesn't matter whatever job that you're doing we're all something beautiful and when you can have a foundation like that music is just an expression outlet of what you believe in right so if you create a scene of say Hawaiian culture which is built off a foundation love and sharing and giving music the byproduct of that expression is just going to be effortless to allow you to engage in that and yeah i feel that's one of the reasons why maybe people connect with Hawaii so well is that it's the feeling of effortlessness of yeah not trying to force this gimmick of hey how you doing i want to give you a hug but this genuinely is being this is what i do i'm yeah. not changing anything from on stage or off stage yeah and when you feel that genuine love in anything i always say yeah as much as we 
practice their dexterity and musicianship and everything, I encourage all my students or even myself is that's not music, right? That's notes. Right? Yeah. Music, you know, this is just an instrument. It's instrumental in helping us, but this is not what creates music. And right. for us, you know, it's just music is about being present and connecting. And so instead of focusing so much on how can I create this dynamic areas and all that, but for me, it's how can I allow somebody to just completely feel connected? And for me, I always say the ukulele is the Trojan horse, right? <laughs> Everybody sees it as a commodified instrument, right? Yeah. And uh, it becomes kind of a toy, right? And right. It's, but it's in every single house. Yeah. Right? And without people realizing there's a lot of power and love in these things. And yeah. it's, you know, scientifically, you can say it's similar to the vocal resonation, right? And right. It just has that peaceful sound already. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to make it sound bad. <laughs> I mean, some people do a good job. Of <laughs> um, but yeah, what the, it's a Trojan horse because there's so much power within it. And it's not even insane, the dexterity and this and that, but just this represents our culture, right? It is the figurehead of our musical culture, but also our way to express ourselves. And growing up, that's a huge thing that I try to focus on is, yeah, Growing up, this is an instrument that, like we said, is commodified. And when you do that in terms of a way of expressing or an outlet, you take the voice of a people and you say, hey, this is a child's instrument. This is something mm. that has no weight behind it. Yeah. You can take away the strength of a voice, right? Wow. And that's why for me, although I play guitar, bass, drums, piano, a lot of the instruments, when I tour, when I perform, majority of the time you'll see me play an ukulele. And that's for the reason of saying, hey, with four strings, with less resources, sometimes you can do a lot more than people can with six, with as many keys that you need or whatever that may be. And for me, yeah, I play ukulele as a statement to not carry a chip on your shoulder, but to say, hey, this is something that is meant to be not just shared or expressed, but meant to help and heal. And I always make a terrible joke of saying, as the world continues to go down, maybe not the best path, right? The more and more people need ukulele and yeah. people like us to continue and it's something not to be afraid of or whatever but to be excited wow because that means you have so much more of you know and Hawaiian culture is called kuleana that's the word for responsibility yeah um, you have so much more of kuleana to continue down your path and help a lot more than not and that's where I said we'll always be in demand and it's not because of market and business and profit but it's because People need places that they can feel safe, appreciated, and inspired. And that's the goal, I feel, in Hawaiian music and culture or music in general. And we do that through, yeah, ukulele, culture. <laughs> I was letting that car go by. Yeah, good. Um, I'm going to ask once the cars and trains go by, would yeah. you play a song for us? Yeah, I can play a song. Cool, and then we'll talk some more. But I, I think it would be a good moment to drop that in. Okay. Let's see what we're going to play. I know. So I'll put this between us. Yeah. So, okay. Can you hear that, Kana? Yeah, maybe move the mic down just a tad. Okay. There you go. We want to make sure you still get your voice, too. Yeah. It's pretty directional, this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Check, check. I'll yeah. just go like that. Okay. So um, the song that I'll play right now is a song titled A Cool Morning Dew. And... Um, this one talks about basically that love, whether that be an intimate love, a maternal love, 
but a love that basically has no bounds and will always be there for you. Similar as the morning dew every morning, um, as that constant reminder of a gentle love that is there just to give you that beautiful hug as mist does or the morning dew to the land, right? Okay. Song title I could more do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. Thank you for sharing. Thank that. you. You know, it, it's really interesting to me that you mention how easy it is to belittle heart energy and play, joy, yeah. um, laughter. You know, oh, that's not important. What's important is stressing out about making money all the time. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Got to keep up with the, you know, and I think if society could remember how powerful joy is, how powerful that, that heart healing is, I think we would just 
so much less things would be important. Yeah. Right. And it's incredible to me the way that you're doing all these things out there. And, and yet you're so present, like when you pick up your ukulele and begin to play, it's like everything stops and time stands still. And it's like that having a conversation with you as well. Yeah. Thank um, you. Yeah. Well, I, you can also say it's a break. <laughs> no. Well, exactly. But, like you said, and yeah. that's, it's like the life hack in yeah. that is like right now you're getting a break from that's it. Legit, touring company Phone, logistics. Phones on, do not disturb. You know? um, <laughs> we'll see it all later. But no, but, but like you said, it's in whatever we do is it doesn't matter what your passion is. If it's something that you feel that you can help people and you can share it and it's a gift that you have or a gift that you're working on, then that alone is more than enough of a reason to, to share it. And for me and for you, it happens to be through a musical lens. For our parents, still involving any aspect of entertainment. I know my, my dad, he's a carpenter. Mm-hmm. He was the president of the Carpenters Union uh, for San Diego for the past like, 14 years, and he's been in the profession for, oh, wow. I think, 48 years. Wow. And for me, I grew up with my two parents, although in different fields, they both did something from a young age. And through all hardships and anything that came their way, they stuck, they stuck with it, they put their head down, and they just chipped away. And either on their relationship, either in their career settings or goals. And what that showed me is, now, if you're on a path that you feel you shouldn't be on, maybe shift. Yeah. But if you find something that you can find a direct or indirect passion in. My dad with carpentry, he probably didn't wake up every day to say, hey, this is something that is fun. But when he saw the impact of what it could do to his family and provide, um, to that means every day give him that purpose to get up at whatever time with whatever aches and that's something that I learned to appreciate that I didn't maybe when I was younger and what I mean by that is you know working a, a really hard job physically and then after that coming to my sports games or whatever it may be or maybe as you get older you may be like he probably just wanted to take a nap but just him being there that presence yeah that's something that we talk about it doesn't matter what it is in just being there that alone is more than the biggest victory in the world. And then if you can learn to identify being there and then cognizantly trying your best to be there emotionally, physically, mentally, on top of that, how much more presentness, the present, that gift can you give to people? And that alone, like I said, it, it will always create a way to see the next day. And for us, that's something that, yeah, I, I try to focus on every day is just how can I do something and not even worry about the residuals or the business side. And for us living in California, um, there has to be a good amount of business involved. <laughs> yeah, um, And that's where, yeah, it, it's always this little like kind of paradox and everything. And we have to understand how to know our value and worth and yeah. be able to know how to negotiate and contract and all these different sides. We're in multiple hats from marketing and everything that we'll probably get into. Um, but everything stems from, although, yes, you can learn all those sides of which we need to do, and we need to know how to do all these different hats, in its root and in its heart, if you generally just focus more on how can I create the best input, whatever it is, whether that be from creating a piece of music, whether that be from a phone call, a conversation, play, performing, teaching, if I can just try my best to be my best, 
and not in a way to drain yourself and, uh, you know, the, the Kobe way of saying, if I'm hurt, keep going. But I was just saying, how can I just give my best every day? Yeah. And uh, I got to work on recharging my batteries, I know. But yeah, yeah, that for me always leads to the next thing and the next thing. And for I know you and I in a world of contractual work, that isn't a nine to five, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's something that a lot of people in, you know, entrepreneurship, musicians, you know, a lot of us really kind of struggle with, of course, myself included, is, yeah, how can this be awesome? But what if tomorrow doesn't come with another opportunity? Right. How do I balance that? Right. And my biggest model, of course, I go back to my mom. And that stems from don't worry necessarily about things you can't control. Yeah. Don't worry about a show that is or isn't coming. Mm-hmm. The one that you're doing, give it your all. And if you do that, somehow, some way, somebody's going to connect with it. Yeah. And um, yeah, that for some reason has led me to more opportunities and more opportunities and ones that maybe got to work on saying no to sometimes. <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah. That's why when we talked right from the beginning, it was, I don't necessarily care about the back end and the output and the financials because that's not what we do and why we do it. Yeah. And what that allows is not even the end goal, but the everyday output that comes back is more than what you anticipate because when you don't anticipate anything and you're just doing it because you love it, everything is a win. And for some reason, it allows us to continue to live in California and um, yeah, make whatever waves. And that's because we're just going along with that Hawaiian roller coaster ride. <laughs> you also teach and you donate a lot of your time doing that. You have a, some nonprofit work that you do as well and you have keep a very full schedule. Um, can you share a little bit about the music teaching component yeah. of your life? Yeah. So within about maybe the last five years, um, it's funny, I started the year right before COVID hit in terms of that side. With our Polynesian Dance Company, of course, I'm one of the directors and teachers to that capacity, but I definitely felt for me, most of my gift was through performing and sharing that way. And uh, traveling, you know, 2020, we had schedules lined up going back to Tahiti, New Zealand, Australia, Hawaii, Japan, you know, normally Vegas, Nashville. And then everybody was just like, hey, yeah, maybe no, right? <laughs> and then with that, you know, as you can hear every day, my busy schedules becomes nothing right um, right and how do you pivot on that and right for me i thought i was like okay you know what during kind of the start of the pandemic right in 2020 and going in 2021 i was i want to focus on giving this next year or next couple of years on how can i give so much back to the community that i currently stay in i know i'm always focusing on traveling to share my love with communities internationally and in other towns and everything what about the ones right here where i am and mm. that's where it kind of stemmed from. And, you know, at first, yeah, I felt most of my gift was in through sharing through performing side. And I knew, and I know in the future, it was going to come back to me more on the teaching side. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to cut myself short necessarily. And it's that, that constant battle. And yeah. I had a lot of professional private clients that I teach. I still do through Zoom and stuff like that. But I was like, I don't know me with kids and having the patience on that side when I struggle to have patience for my professional musicians, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it kind of led me back to um, 
Oh my gosh, you wrote the book, The Surrender Experiment. That's one of my favorite books uh, oh, okay. that, I, that I love reading and rereading. And it just teaches you not to, to surrender and give up on life, but it's saying when there's stuff that comes your way and said before, especially in our field, maybe it was a, a contract or a festival or something that I was like, Man, maybe that seems like a little too much right now on my plate or maybe yeah. something I'm not completely prepared for. Right. right. And that self-doubt or anything. And what it taught me was before I can even give an answer to say no, I say yes. <laughs> even if on the back end, it might seem like there's a lot of things that you have to figure out and a lot of work that needs to go into it. Yeah. Or maybe you're not completely prepared. Or maybe like for me at the, at the case was me working with children and stuff like that into a musical setting at the primary level instead of the professional level. I said yes. And yeah. what that led me down was a path that I'm still on where I'm getting just as much euphoric enjoyment from teaching, mm. if not even more sometimes than performing. Wow. And what I mean by that is, you know, at first I was like, why am I in a professional sector teaching a primary level thing? Is that the best use of my time? For example, right? And what I ended up coming to the conclusion was basically, who am I for one, but to say, who would be better than somebody that does it every day to one, be the point of contact. So for the Center for World Music, the nonprofit organization that I work with, um, I'm the master artist of Hawaiian music and culture for San Diego, Southern California region, mm. uh, meaning any bid in the educational setting for Hawaiian Polynesian music, um, I'm probably the, the first point of contact for collegiate setting, high school, wow. down to primary levels. And yeah. what that means is, yeah, either I'll do a workshop base, guest lecture base, or residencies or I'll do one school for like say a 12 week program or a semester or one primary school I have, I actually did for the whole school year, first and second semester. And back to that was for me was who would be better than somebody that engages in our culture every day. And for me, I saw it as the biggest gift that I can do is I'm not only teaching them music, but I'm also teaching them my culture, yeah. the Hawaiian culture, right? Yeah. And I'm teaching them not just the language, but things that we're talking about certain pillars of how to respect family and all these different core values that are important to be able to share with our future generations, right? Yeah. And for me is, yeah, I'm teaching them, of course, I teach ukulele, Hawaiian music and culture, but more importantly, I'm just being somebody that I can create a wave of exponential impact where, say, in a performing setting, right, whether it be a celebration of life, a wedding, or corporate event, concert, People that are there are there to heal and have a space and connect and resonate. And maybe they'll go home or maybe they had an impact where they remember for the rest of their life because it was a significant moment for them, right? Yeah. And that is powerful. But now what if I can teach people how to create those spaces? Mm. Now, not only is it the ones that are coming to my performances, mm -hmm. but now the hundreds and thousands of people that I'm teaching to now go out there and create those spaces. Yeah. When you can think of it like that, and that's the way I've been working on is how much more rewarding is that to see the exponential growth, the first steps, and seeing maybe even if, like I've been teaching between 500 and 750 students a week during the semesters. And that's how I did like four or five different residencies any given week. And be from, I took from kindergarten to collegiate levels. Wow. And of course, teaching them a little differently. But yeah. Yeah. It allowed me to be like, okay, how can this, how can I help people, but how also can it help me? And what it taught me is, how can you learn how to communicate something very effectively, 
efficiently at any age level? How yeah. can you be engaging at the kindergarten level, the collegiate, and the middle school level? Yeah. And how can that translate to me in performance? How can that translate to me as a human being? Right. Yeah. And yeah, it taught me. It was like during the day, pretty much, it was recording studio, phone calls, and stuff like that. Where there is some time, and I was like, I can give a couple time, you know. So, depending on the school, I'll be there for like you know three, four hour period to teach different classes. Most of them uh, are kind of like a thirty minute class. I want you to kind of imagine this for a second. Imagine you're teaching like a first or second grade class or third grade. Okay. But thirty five of them in one class. Oh wow! For thirty minutes, and right when it finishes, the next class is at the door. Oh man! Right? Wow! So it taught me a lot of growth, very fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like I said, it taught me how to find not just patience but happiness to see the growth. And for me, the one thing that I thought I was like is a hindrance because I was focused on performing and touring became something that gave me just as much joy, if not more, because now I'm seeing the impacts. And seeing, even if just one, two, three, four, five of the students want to further play in the instrument or about the culture, that is more than enough of a win. And what that taught me, similar to my mom, is even in the performance side, if one person or even nobody paid attention while you're playing, you're still healing yourself. That's But right. Somebody yeah. connected, even it doesn't matter if it's one person, a hundred thousand, does not matter. You're already taking those steps to become better, right? Yeah. And yeah, for me, although I do a lot of different things, they're all in alignment on the same path, and that's doing something that I love, being able to create a trickle-up effect where people can feel safe, protected, inspired, but also share that aloha, right? And for that, cup keeps overflowing and working on recharging. <laughs> Amazing mindset. Amazing. Yeah. I- I wonder about sometimes that self-doubt that comes in before saying yes to something that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. And I've taken to saying to myself, this is just because I've been doing certain things for so long. And I like to over-prepare. Like, oh, do I have every, you know, I'll have like a hundred things that I'm thinking about. You know, I'll bring an extra like drum key to something like this to, yeah. in case, you know, I know I don't need it, but I just overkill, right? We need guitar picks. Do we need batteries? Do you know? Yeah. And I just started saying to myself, you know what? At this point, the only thing I need to bring is myself. That's it. Yeah. And you know that that you did the preparation that you've you've worked with the instrument for such a long time that you you have that foundation. So it's not like you don't, but it's like everything I need is already inside me, and all I got to do is show up and be open. Yeah, that's incredible. And and that reminds me of, hey, it's kind of last. It was a really important one. Remember where you just were? Sorry, because、mm-hmm. I had something really good, and then I heard. Tell me what you're just saying, because it's just the only thing that、up. you had to bring is yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Ah. Come on, come on! It was right there.、Um, do, 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 do. It's okay. We can let all the helicopters and chainsaws, yeah, all, and... all the all the amazing noises. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of fun. I like doing it this is, out it here. Is. It, it allows you. It reminds me of Nam, basically. It does. Yeah, it does. We're focused on this conversation. Meanwhile, you hear this and the car horns and whatever. There's the motorcycles, people beach cruising. That's and, it. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll come back. It'll come back. Yeah, we'll let the one pass. Well, let's say yeah. We'll come back to it.、Um, tell me about your relationship with Kala、yeah. Instruments. Because you're、okay. a sponsored artist. Yeah, I've been with them since 2018, and yeah, Kala. They're currently the largest worldwide distributor of ukulele. They also do guitars, the U basses. Oh, those、um, are cool. Yeah, they now have cajones. Oh, they're, cool. They branch out in a lot of different areas and clothing lines, and 
yeah, going back to the self-doubt thing. Yeah. Know, um, yeah. At the time, of course, I was, you know, I still am pretty young and yeah, I was even younger when, <laughs> when they decided to take me on. And yeah, at first I played, of course, this was through social media and other areas and trying to work on building up, you know, my brand and everything. And I'm just proud of my growth off of that. But because the paradox of in order to get to a place that you can feel complacent to focus on your input, you have to grind so hard that it provided you a space to be there, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. You got to be a little like, like, you got to work hard so that you don't think about it yeah. basically when you show and up. That, and that's the hard part is because it, I always try to say is like, yes, it's about just being present. And there you go. It was, I was talking about practice. We'll come right back to it, but it's going to connect is what I learned from doing so many things at a young age or being multicultural and everything is how can I practice without having time to practice? Right. Uh, and yeah. what that meant is, you know, saying self-doubt or did I do enough preparation or did I do enough this or whatever. And what it taught me was, how can I get better today? Maybe that doesn't mean instead of spending a lot of time to say, I'm going to sit down and practice for an hour and a half, two, three, four hours and work on my scales or vocal musicianship, anything. Instead, I take that time to maybe call somebody I haven't called in a long time, maybe show up and help my mom. Yeah. Maybe show up and help somebody that they're moving and they ask, said, hey, Aunt, are, are you free? Because I tell everybody, I'm like, if you need something, I'll be there. Right? Awesome. And in my busy schedule, maybe that <laughs> takes out a time of me practicing. Right. Yeah. And forever. Right. It was, oh, man, how can I keep up with the Joneses? How can I try to get better? How can I prove myself to get the attention from? I know there's an agent at this show or this person or that person. That, right. That mindset. Right. Which a lot of us do. And it all comes back from, well, guess what? Me taking that phone call put me in so much better of a headspace. Maybe That's it shares exactly. with me a really important conversation that inspires me. Maybe it just brought that right amount of healing that put me in that current headspace to become a better human being. Yep. And in doing that, I have so much more I can express. Right. And so sometimes forcing things don't work as well. Sometimes feeling that we don't have enough or we're not prepared. That every moment we're perfectly imperfect to do what we need to do. That, I'm so glad you said that. Um, before I came here, I was going to get here early just to scope out the space because I yeah. knew this was the good space to use and that it was kind of up for grabs. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go over to the lagoon and go be one with nature for a minute. And so I just drove up to this place where, you know, talking about family again, it was a, we had rented a house for a family gathering. A great grandfather had passed away. And the magic of it was all of the family coming to the same place to be from all over the world. Yeah. And so it was in, interesting because the instant I connected with that lagoon, I walked into the space, I felt this was last year, you know, I felt uh, the feeling, you know, of like, wow, the last time I was here, it was this connection to this loss and celebration of this person who is in, yeah. you know 98 um so That's you know it's, it's a happy celebration as well and just that letting go process that, that was happening the family remembering all those things and just connecting with that place in the land my memory being there and the water and the channel realizing that the water is you know the same water different water always coming into the channel but the rocks have been there for yeah eons and there's the different bees flying around but this is the same me right now you know but but one day it will be someone else it's not me and just contemplating the interplay of life and, and nature and that was like 
maybe 15, 20 minutes before I had to book it over here. But, you know, rather than sit in the space and just kind of like wait around and go, you know, oh, how am I going to prepare myself mentally for a podcast? You know, I'm kind of in this other mode. Yeah. It was like, it was just what I needed. You know, like you said, sometimes it's just that bit of help that you can give. It's that talk with a friend. It's that talk with a client. You know, as, as, as you said, you are present with everything and everyone that you're with. And that changes you on the yeah. inside as well. And so, yeah, I'm so glad to share that with you because thank you. I think when you're talking about transition and, you know, celebration of life, death and birth and aunts, uncles and cousins and all these things, I think it's often my culture takes that for granted. You know, you're in this world where you're just trying to get ahead. And you said that like the family's a lot smaller. Yeah. And I think when you live in a multi-family culture, in a kind of a wider community, you just don't take that for granted the same way. It's yeah. you realize the way we're all interwoven and how special that is. Right. Mm -hmm. No, com completely. And like it says, like when uh, a huge pillar becomes no longer there or moves on. Right. What I learned is instead of being in a moment of, you know, you got to have that moment of closure and, and grief and let emotions come. But the best way that we can honor anybody or anything is by continuing to do what we do, right? And right. Um, that's what I learned is, yeah, is how can I honor those that are no longer here? Mm -hmm. And that's by doing something that maybe not just makes them proud, but makes me proud to be who I am. Yeah. And instead of using it as a moment of or a time being to go the other direction, how can I use that to continue to ignite? Yeah. And for those that are in, you know, my extension of family and with our Polynesian dance company or any area of life that we're a part of, a lot of people feel really connected to, you know, myself or my immediate family and we're a rock for a lot of people. Yeah. And growing up, I, I felt maybe some hardship in that because you know, maybe you can carry a good amount of weight because of yeah, that. Yeah. You can kind and, of put it all on your shoulders, yeah. like as if you're the only one who bears it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and what, what I learned is like when anybody who has anything beautiful that they want to share, right? You got new job, new promotion, anything. We're their immediate family out here in San Diego. So we'd be the first ones they'd want to tell. Yeah. If anybody has anything that's not going good in life and they want any form of guidance or some somebody's no longer here, the first one that they're going to come to is Celeste, right? And yeah. learning how to juggle that was basically that it's not necessarily any weight that you have to carry. It's just allowing you to be the best listener and just be completely present. Everything comes back to the same thing. Yeah. How can you make life simple? It's be present, do something that you love, and just try your best to treat people the way you want to be treated or treat people even better, right? And mm. if we do that, for some reason, it creates more, right? And from a business point of view, from a human point of view, from a moral point of view, the best answer to achieve long-run success is one that you just try to be yourself. In the short run, maybe it can have some transition, some hardship, but in, if you treat every relationship, doesn't matter what it was for, uh, a corporate client that you feel wasn't even paying attention or the people there, right? Was, <laughs> I'm sure that happens you know, a lot. Sometimes or yeah. you know, a celebration of life or anything. It's the most important thing as a creator. A musician, a human being is, in what we do at least, it's not a nine to five work, right? And there's liberties in that. But what that means is 
when you're doing something, instead of me focusing so much on my time and my set and when do I take my next break, yeah. it's how can I just give my all during this time? And yeah. although it can be maybe slightly draining sometimes, right? Well, let's talk about the shadow of that, right? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people talk about this trait called toxic positivity, right? Yeah. And so I really want to differentiate that because what I feel from you is so genuine and so real. And yet I know as someone who tries to do the same, you really have to like attend to the part of yourself that's going to go, man, I need a day off. Like, yeah, this is, you know, and you just, there's, it's natural. Yeah. It's normal and it's good actually to recognize that within yourself. And so you were talked about the need for time off and it's like, you know, you're saying yes to things. There's a lot going on. Um, how do you reflect on that part of yourself that is sort of maybe needs to get your attention every once in a while? Yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely <laughs> does. It comes knocking pretty frequently. Um, <laughs> yeah, for that one, I mean, I guess my, my toxic answer to that would be, yeah, my healing comes from one, yes, rest, but two, it comes from connection, right? Yeah. My healing comes from on my day off, I'll, I still can't, you know, I'd rather talk to somebody I haven't talked to in a while. Yeah. Maybe go grab a lunch, maybe grab some coffee, maybe go to the water or something, right? Yeah. It's like, for me, at least me personally, I am not really good at sitting by myself <laughs> and closing <laughs> my eyes for long durations of time. Um, <laughs> And I, I guess that's just for me feeling how finite life is, right? And sure. Me understanding, yes, I do need rest, but how can I get rest and healing at the same time? And yeah. that comes from, you know, yeah, maybe not performing, but maybe on my day off doing something with people I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. That gives me a lot more fuel than taking more than a six to eight hour nap and then staying in bed for another six to eight hours. Sometimes it happens. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes it needs to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm weird because I never was tempted by drugs or anything like yeah. that. But I know a lot of people in the music profession fall into that. You know, they get into a lot of pain and it's, a, it's an escape or yeah. whatever. And, you know, people don't always find the best way in life. And, you know, have you ever had to like kind of deal with that tangentially or directly with, yeah. you know, people in your company or you don't have to no, name any names, but like. Yeah, completely. I'll name drop right now. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, completely. I mean, especially say in like the Polynesian community, right? A lot of people in the Polynesian community create a, a pretty good relationship with alcohol and other areas. Sure. Larger people, right? They yeah. We can carry more and very happy people. Yeah. And what I saw from a young age, because we. You know, grew up my whole life in the entertainment space is, yeah, I mean, every show that we do, we have access to open bars and free drinks and free this and free that, right? Right, right. And it's uh, the ability to learn how to say no, right? Yeah. Um, which most of the time our family and our culture says yes. Right. That could be a loophole right there. <laughs> that doesn't work well. Um, but, but what I learned is, let's just say at the example of musician, right? For a lot of us, music, like you saw when I was playing, it's our escape. Yeah. It's our peace. It's our solitude. It's our moment to just be completely present with everything else going on that, you know, how can it just be right there, right? Yeah. And that brings such a huge euphoric sense of happiness and inner peace and healing, right? And what happens a lot of the times is when, once somebody takes that moment of fun and happiness and passion, 
and now they say this is the way I want to make my living, right? Ah, uh, right. I'm it's, glad you're bringing this up. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What it leads to in some cases is the one thing that gave you the most passion, most excitement, most happiness. Mm. Now becomes the one thing that gives you the most stress <laughs> and the most everything, <laughs> yeah. right? And one hundred percent. And what that does is for a lot of people, and we see this all the time in our creative spaces. The one thing that brought them that escape now is the one thing they can't escape from, mm. and then that's where they lead to other areas that they need to find other forms of escape, and yeah. then it leads down a dark path. And you know, I've seen it a lot of times. People I know, and you know, for what I learned from indirectly from my mom right as always come back to that mm-hmm. um is yeah i don't need to escape the thing that i love and mm. the only reason why is because i'm not going to focus on the other areas that are going to provide the stress yes okay. i do okay yeah but the, the biggest thing is what i always come back to is if i genuinely be present and have fun and i'm whatever it is from a show a interview a recording session that energy is contagious right. and it'll always create the derivative. Amazing. But if I get caught in focusing on the derivative and try to build the other way, output to input, it becomes the random notes. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people get caught in. And then for me, and this is what we talked about earlier was, yeah, of course, we have to get to a point of crazy, overly exercised, almost madness of passion and integrity to pursue certain something right yeah to get us to a point that then necessarily we don't care about the output <laughs> well how are you going to pay for your bills right yeah yeah and it's this whole circle like oh. <laughs> um, but it's just yeah for me where i'm at right now i have a lot of people that believe in me right and that's where confidence stems from yeah and uh, you know self-doubt or other things and i'm not um you know, let's say like a cocky person or arrogant or any kind of way, but for me, confidence stems from the root confide, right? Mm. And I have a lot of people that confide in me and that builds my confidence. I have a lot of people that believe in me and believe in what I'm doing. Mm. And for that alone, I don't have, I don't have an ounce to deal with things that I don't feel I can be enough of the person that other people believe who I am or the person that I'm believing myself to be every day. Yeah. And it just stems from repetition, right? Yeah. Anything that we want to be, we can be. And this stems back to confidence, or I talk about it sometimes as fearlessness, right? Yeah. My my name, Kauka Luole, actually means fearless warrior. Oh, that's my that's My name awesome. since birth, right? I'm the only one that doesn't have a Onalani in my family. Like a, my, my sister, my mom's name is Haley Onalani, which means the princess of the heavens. Onalani means of the heavens. Okay. Um, my brother, Kilo Mike Kalani. You can hear the Lani of the heavens. <laughs> right? And then I'm just the fearless warrior. Ooh, right? And, uh, I don't know. Well, that's pretty badass. Right? It is. It is, yeah. it is. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I, growing up, I thought that meant I had to be a, a linebacker and, right. you know, hurt people and, uh, yeah. and, which maybe I did a little here or there. <laughs> um, and now I'm a peaceful musician. But, um, yeah, peaceful warrior. Right? That's yeah. it. Yeah. But what presence warrior? That's it. Yeah. But fearless taught me, you know, fearlessness to be truly fearless does not mean to be Rambo. Yeah. Does that mean to go crazy and break things and drive through this and jump off of this? But to be truly fearless means to be loved. Mm. And what that means is I have people that believe in me. I have a family, an extension of community of a family that believes in me. For that, I can constantly take leaps because I know that I have people to catch me. 
And for me, that's fearless and loved, right? And wow. That's what stems from what we're talking about is confidence, fearlessness. It's all one and the same. Mm. And it's not in a way to be arrogant or to assert yourself. But like I said, when you show up to something, say before, I'd be like, maybe I'm underprepared. Maybe, you know, I don't know what song to play, which I don't, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it's just, I don't have to try to force anything. And growing up, that's what I thought. I thought I had a force. I had to show off this one lick that I practiced, this one certain song, this one note that I've been trying to hit because there's this one agent in the audience or there's this one girl in the audience or yeah. there's this one talent promoter or whatever. And then every time I'm doing that, I'm taken away from being present Yeah. in the moment, right? Well, there's that one person that you're fixated on, but yeah. there's also all the other people. Yeah. And as you mentioned, there's you. Yeah. And you got to shine a light on you too. And, and that's it. And that's where yeah. it, it just comes back to, okay, for some reason, people believe in me. Some, for some reason, people confide in me. For some reason, you know, I have a support group that's here for me. Maybe I've built a little bit of that, you know, or maybe they're just there, right? But whatever the case may be is I owe it to myself and I owe it to the people that believe in me to continue to create waves and spaces that people can connect. It's just, it's a trickle up. It's just, it's yeah. a pretty, pretty straight line, you know. Um, there's a lot of bumps, but um, the biggest thing is, yeah, I get to do something that I love with people that I love, the culture that I love, that creates a lot of love, you know? Yeah. And it's a cyclical pattern um, from yeah. teaching to performing to directing. For me, yeah, like directing me, I know you're, you're a producer. You work with a lot of people and creating a lot of alignment for a lot of people. And yeah, for me, when I have to direct and lead, the biggest focus for me is, I think you can resonate, is it's not about leading and whatever, but it's about how can I have other people understand that I'm just trying my best to bring the best out of everybody? That's it. And, you know, when you do that, you take down, I said, this is a powerful instrument, but in life, my goal is to get to somebody that I've never met and immediately remove all of these walls and just say, hey, we're being transparent, vulnerable, and honest. And that's what creates music. Yeah. And for, for us, all the, the dexterity and all the practices and the fundamentals we all do that, right? And it's important to do that. And we have to yeah. practice and, you know, practice and practice. But the most important thing is you can play the same note how many different ways. But when I'm there, I'm going to be right there, right? And yeah. what we ask out of our musicians or dancers or clients or anything, it's all the same. It's just, I want you to be the best and I want you to try your best. And if, you know, you can only give me 70% today because there's other stuff going on, that's completely okay. You're here. Yeah. Right? And for anybody that comes to any of my shows, whether that be one that's, you know, playing background for corporate or my actual concerts or productions are coming up is for people, you know, the most valuable thing we have in this life is our time. And if somebody comes to be present in something that you're creating, that's a huge sign of respect and a huge sign of a gift that they're given to you. And it's not something to take for granted and to treat as, like you said, that, that nine to five. And yeah. Figuring out how can I fit all this and this and, you know, I know I have yeah, two shows tomorrow, two shows Friday. I <laughs> yeah, kind of crazy. But um, I always see it as life growing up for me, I thought it had to be through like a selfish lens. Yeah. Right. As an artist, a lot of the time it was 
oh man, I want to learn this song because who's going to see this? Oh, this one line, oh, it's really cool or whatever. And I thought, you know, social media, for example, I really struggle with because I saw it as me being inauthentic. Just for me to hit record and then play <laughs> and then hit stop. Yeah. It takes me out of being completely present or me playing to a screen instead of to a human being. Right. Right. And now that's a huge area where I struggle with. But everything comes back to realizing it's not a selfish lens, but it's an unselfish lens. And what I mean by that is the way that I try to live now is if I do not do what I'm supposed to do today, if I did not say yes to this show or if I did not go to this or whatever it may be, how many more lives could I have helped that otherwise I didn't? Mm. And for that, I feel like um, stagnant, you know, this is for me selfishness. Mm. And for example, creating a beautiful opportunity that we created together and meeting, you know, your beautiful family and everything that could easily have been, you know, mid Nam. Oh yeah. See you later. Right. Right. But we took time to, in a couple moments, really get to connect. And that alone for me, I said, I, I'm, I would love to be a part of it regardless. Yeah. And how much beautiful memories did it create to even us being here or whatever we're going to create in the future. Yeah. And that's where, you know, life comes in. It's don't worry about the other areas, the X's and O's. If you just focus on how can I just be myself? How can I use my gift? And how can I help? And that's what I feel. Any career choice, it's all the same. Service industry or not, entertainment, whatever you want to call it. For us, at least, it's how can we help people? And we do that through our medium of music. Yeah. And yeah, yeah that's, that's a good amount there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's just it. I think music has the potential to connect so many people. It's such a connective art form. And I almost feel like anyone who's ever done music has a sense of like, you know how to communicate with a group of other musicians and reach a transcendent experience together. Yeah. And to me, that's a form of spirituality. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I hope you don't mind me asking, but I wanted to know about your father's Mormon and your... Uh, your grandfather. Yeah. So your, gran your grandfather. Yeah. Okay, so your grandfather's was Mormon and his wife was from Hawaii. And so there's all these different forms of spirituality meshing together. Yeah. How did that work? <laughs> so fun fact, uh, my grandma, Catholic, right? And she won. So all of my aunties and uncles and our, you know, our nucleus and my siblings, we all grew up in a Catholic household. My, my granddad, if he wanted to go to church, to more, he had to go by himself to his uh, <laughs> Mormon congregation. My grandma was like, kids come with me, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, in any form of culture, uh, any form of religion, for me, everything stems from the same principles. And for people that aren't religious or spiritual, or even if they're not even spiritual, without realizing it, we're all practicing the same principles, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe not building our own planets and solar systems. No, <laughs> no shade Mormons, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, how can you help other people? How can you help other people? How I think that's you, what it stems down yeah, to. How can you share what you have and how can you lift people up? Yeah. In any religion, any culture, in whoever anybody believes, it all comes to the same nucleus. And that's where, for me, everything kind of melts. And we won't go too much on the, the religious side for this one. But yeah, like, like for, for me, growing up in a, in a Catholic household and everything, we went to church a lot. And when I'd play music, 
you know, I love Catholicism for the use of having rigidity yet preservation and be able to have something that lasts a long time. Yeah. Whereas, say, like a certain Christian, non-denominational, the focus is how can I take a word and connect it to today? Right. Right. And it creates that that better form of connection to the youth and all ages. Or say Catholicism, it was how can I do something and going through the repetitions of the motions that we've done for generations and hundreds, for thousands, hundreds of, thousands of, years. of years. Yeah. And that's a beautiful also sense of preservation. Right. For me growing up, it was hard to connect with yeah. because one, I didn't speak Latin and, <laughs> and two, I just hear the same repetitions instead of connection. Right. Right. And um, to the degree on everything, I mean, for me, Catholicism reminds me of more classical music and everything. Okay. And it stems from, you know, being able to take something that's written and to be able to replicate for, you know, hundreds, thousands of years. And for me, say folk music, more, you know, non-denominational Christian masses that I attend or anything. And it was, how can I use what was built, but constantly evolve and grow and connect it today? And for me as uh, musicians, that's a whole another tangent that uh, I had some fun discourses with my professors in, <laughs> in college. And yeah, everything stemmed from basically trying to have people understand the power of folk, have the, the power of cultural music, right? Yeah. And we're in certain discourses and dissertations that I would read in college. Everything stems from kind of the elitist mindset of, I've been practicing this for how many years and I've been trained in this and this and this from this and this and this. And when I perform, I'm still going to look at my piece of paper and connect to or I have the director's back turned away from the audience. Right. And for me, that always brought a f certain form of disconnection to the audience, which is your biggest form of connection besides yeah. the musicians, right? Yeah. And yeah, for for me in college, actually, I was the only one at the, um, so Occidental College over there in Glendale, Eagle Rock, uh, cool. Obama went there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's always awesome. one shout. Ben Affleck too, but uh, sorry, Batman. Um, <laughs> yeah, when we were, at my school, I originally wasn't going to be doing music. I was just going to be doing economics, business, which I still did. And I ended up triple majoring. But yeah, I, I pursued music you're, too. You're you're not an underachiever. No, I yeah yeah. Um, I went there, then my school found out who I was, and they're like, "Why aren't you doing music?" And I was like, oh, "I'll take class." Because I already did a lot of that. Yeah, yeah and then <laughs> yeah, and then it was, it was funny because um, yeah, for my, for my senior year for the comps, I was the only one so far out of in the history of our college to perform at our actual big concert hall there because that was only made for professional musicians. And I was supposed to perform in a 50-seat music studio for the senior comps. And, you know, basically I worked in a way where the whole purpose was I wanted to showcase, not musicianship for me, but I wanted to showcase the power of culture, mm. showcase the power of a community and showcase the power of what, not just this instrument, but what, what we can bring to the table in retrospect. And... Because for us, music goes hand in hand with the expression of dance, goes hand in hand with the expression of, you know, other forms of music, drumming, everything, right? And when you can see this exponential creation all into one setting and not being stripped away from any of the other elements, but all being compounded one after another. Like in our culture, growing up, uh, Hawaiian music, it was, you had the, the original composer of just the words, right? And right. That was expressed then by the composer of the music. And the, the, the different ways people could express that. Then that was in being compounded by different people expressing the way it made them feel through their dance, different interpretations. 
And then that is connected and compounded by the engagement to the audience and how they're impacted. Wow. These different levels is more than just playing notes or singing vibrations, right? Yeah. And so I wanted to show that to my school. And uh, it was funny, like, well, do you think, you know, this is for professionals? It's like, thank you so much. Next week I'm playing at a concert hall five times the size of this. <laughs> but I appreciate you. Um, and it wasn't like a tit for tat, but yeah. yeah, I had this whole, you know, discourse with my professors and the faculty there. And we came to a, a conclusion where they, they allowed it and um, they were moved. And I just, yeah, for the undergrads and those that are continuing as I wanted to leave is I wanted them to understand that don't limit any form of what you do. And if you have mm. something to give, give it your all and allow that to shine. Right. Mm. And everything comes back to that. It's, yeah. Whatever your gift is, do it, you know? And although there's a, there's a lot of doubt in this world and a lot of inflation yeah, and a lot of uh, needing to do what you got to do today, do what you want to do tomorrow. <laughs> right. It's also important to figure out a way to create time to one, heal yourself. And sometimes you can find something that can do it all in one. Mm. I can do something that I want to do today that gives me passion, that heals me, that inspires me to want to do tomorrow. Right. Mm. And when we find these rare little gems, it's important to not say put all your eggs in one basket, but whatever egg that you're on, enjoy it, you know? <laughs> whatever egg you're eating. That's just it. You know? Eat it, eat yeah. it and taste it. That's it. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. That's what I'd say is for yeah any anybody involved in any creative space, entrepreneurship, art form. For us, the most important thing is continue to do what you love and continue to try to get better. And if we just focus on getting better at the margin, there's no way anybody can compete with yourself. You know, mm. you can either be bringing the best of the worst version of yourself to this world. And what is the most inspiring thing is when you can bring the best of yourself and have somebody else let you know that that inspires them to bring their best. Yeah. And that just contagious energy going back from the beginning, we talked about my mom yeah. or your mom, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, how can I fill the shoes? Well, I can't. Right. Right. Yeah. But what I can do, I can create another pair of shoes. Right. Yeah. And even if it's in the same kind of field, that's okay. Even if it's a different one, that's okay. But the principles and what we live is I'm going to do something. And what this means is like for me and my dad, for example, growing up in, for him, work means you have to hurt yourself. Mm. For mom, work means you can create some happiness. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then so when, you know, us, my dad's goal was, my, my dad didn't go to college or anything like that. He grew up in a, Mexican household, which is very structured around work and supporting, right? Yeah. And he wanted to make sure all of his kids got an opportunity to go to college. We all graduated, and that's one of his greatest achievements, right? And for myself, of course, doing an art form or doing a career that I didn't need in education, right? And how can I honor him through that, right? And, of course, I know I could get a, you know, any business analyst, stockbroker, stuff like that kind of job. But the best way I can honor my dad and give him the respect that he deserves or any parent or anybody that supports any of us, whether that be a family, a spouse or whatever is basically I asked me to my dad was I told him, I said, the greatest way I can honor you, dad, is by not sacrificing what you created to allow me to have the opportunity to do what I love. But if I chose to go down the same path 
to put it on to the next, right? Mm. And he created so much sacrifice to give us the opportunity. Yeah. Who would I be to not take that opportunity? Right. Right. And 100%. So that's why I tell him, I was like, I yeah. do what I love because I want you to understand that it's because I love you, right? Why? Wow. And that's where everything stems from is, you know, having a foundation, whether that be from, you know, your, your immediate family or a connection of somebody that you've met once or you have a close relationship with. Right? We all have people that can inspire us and help us. The biggest thing that, you know, I try to work on is I'm the first one to say yes to help, but I'm working on ways to ask too, right? That's it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. That just stems from everything, especially in our career. Yes. Right. Is we're always trying our best to. You're always the resource. Help. That's it. That's <laughs> it, man. Uh, yeah, that's why I say is like my, my job when I play. That's why it's funny because like I, I do a lot of solo stuff now. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But that's not what I prefer, of course. For me, music is connection. Yeah. And although I can connect with an audience, it's awesome connecting with somebody on stage right and yeah going through whatever but that's where i just learned um yeah it's like do what you love love what you do and if you're tired from what you that's okay you know yeah it's for me it's about finding ways to reignite and for me that comes from making phone calls you know taking walks yeah being one with everything you know yeah uh, it's not being omnipotent but if you can connect to land you can ground yourself if you can, you know, talk to somebody I haven't talked to forever. If you can, you know, talk to a stranger. You can lend out a hand if you can, you know, converse with somebody who's on the corner of the street that clearly is not having a good day or whatever. You know, it's about yeah. understanding we all have our own movie we're going through, right? Mm. Uh, our own telenovela, right? <laughs> and um, good ones are not good sometimes. But yeah. the biggest thing for us is this, for me, is... How can I take, you know, I mean, growing up in like a figurative rainstorm or snow, right? How can when there's a cloud in the sky, for me to understand that that's so much more beautiful and for me to just want to go forward. Where some people that grew up in constant sunshine, when they see that same cloud, for them that means to, to back away because that's scary. Right. You know, it's uh, to be in the buffalo. When you see the storm, you know, the best option is not to run away from it, but to go through it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I guess that stems from me and my name, but um, and what we do. It's like the greatest way to do anything, even when you have a lot of things on the plate, is to do it. You know, when yeah. something comes in, handle it. If you can't handle it, well, guess what? When tomorrow comes, there's going to be another thing to come in, and then it becomes an overbearing amount of things. What's you can't handle it? Yeah. Ask someone. Yeah, you know, ask yeah. someone. Ask family. That's you know, it. You know, have have your people. That yeah, you rely on too. Yeah, yeah, and you know I think that's just where, if you're a creator, if you're anybody engaged in arts, the greatest thing you can do is give yourself the chance. You know, I know out here in California it's a little harder. Out here in the world, probably hard anywhere. I know. Yeah, but it's just, yeah. If you got a gift, use it. Now, does that mean in the short run maybe? You have to work a secondary job or whatever to allow something to work its way. Or I know a lot of people that work a full job and then on the weekends, you know, gig or do shows because then they never lose their happiness because it still is their escape. Yeah. Right. And for some of us where it's everything, right? Yeah. You can find yourself in a scary loop unless you just focus on enjoying it and see the greatest privilege of what it is, you know. Yeah, I you know you talk about that trap of getting the thing that you love and then it becomes the thing you have to do. 
yeah. and there's all the stresses attached to it. Like my version of that was, you know, recording was something I did for other people and not for myself. And so I had this realization that, um, wait a minute, like I'm doing music. This is supposed to be fun. And if it's not fun, I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I literally have this practice now where if I find I'm not having fun while recording anything, I stop and I get up and I go outside because I have the freedom to do so. And yeah. I go touch a tree or put my feet in the grass or something mm -hmm. like that. And when I'm ready to come back and have fun, that's when I come back. And it's yeah. exactly, you lose that connection and you're just going through the motions. You're doing something because you have to do it. And then it's no longer, it's no longer connected. And I think that's the challenge of, Anything that we do, you know, is even even that second job, right? It's like how to, it's like monk mode, like yeah. level spirituality to be like, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this job that's just a job, you know, it's pouring coffee or whatever, and I'm gonna be present in that. And yet, if you are, there's so many opportunities to connect and to make a difference and to smile at people and to be given back to by the people who smile at you yeah. and the, the gratitude that they give. So it's like anything you do. If you bring that love and passion into it, even if it's not the thing you would choose to do, but this is the thing that I am doing right now that needs to be done. I find that even while I'm editing and there's this musical passage that just didn't come out, so I got to do a lot of work on it. You know, I find that I'm good at it. Yeah. And if I can get into the enjoyment of, wow, this is going to sound so good when I'm done, then it's just all of a sudden the how and the what is qualitatively different yeah. and suddenly I start to enjoy it and suddenly I can't stop you know and I think it's like that with anything almost even the hardest things yeah. um, so I wanted to ask where people can find you online where they can find your music do you have any solo music that you've yeah. recorded that they can listen so, to so fun fact I mean I'm, I'm very similar to you where a lot of the stuff that I've done right is me helping other people because I never wanted to put myself in that position, right? And I always said, I, I want to be the best teammate, be the best whatever, and that's the way that I lead, right? Because of that, I'm in a lot of different music pieces that aren't my own, but yeah. I'm helping embellish people. Uh, yeah. I have a lot of originals that I'm planning on possibly doing end of this year or early next year. Cool. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I might hit you up on that one. But, um, yeah, I have... Yeah, Please do. My, my, my media, of course, yeah, if you search my name... Pretty much on any platform, it'll pop up from uh, yeah, my first name, Anthony, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y, and then Kauka, K-A-U-K-A, -A, and then uh, Stanley. If you type any of those three names in any order, you'll probably <laughs> pop up some of my stuff. And yeah, I, I perform a little frequently. I, I help a lot of people on uh, recording projects. And I see out here in San Diego, up there, I'll come up. But uh, yeah, uh, I have some originals that uh, I've been, that I have that I've yet to share. Cool. And that gets back into what we're talking about of that reservation can also be a form of selfishness without right. realizing, right? Right. And that's an area where I've been this past year really trying to grow in and, you know, saying yes more than saying no, putting myself in positions that forces me to to make it, right? And everything stems from the have to, the chain it to, I get to. I get to, right? yeah. The, the privilege of doing what we do is, is, is a huge privilege, you know? And, you know, the education that we got to engage in or the family and everything that we got to have. And for me, yeah, if anybody wants to be connected, shoot me any kind of message, email. I'll give you all that handle stuff after. I don't know if you want me to say it, but... Uh, yeah, you could say it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, like I said, Anthony K-A-U-K-A, -K -A, 
you search us on, on any platform from YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, uh, sadly, TikTok. I'm kidding. Love you, TikTok. Um, <laughs> but yeah, any medias. Yeah, I, I got them. Uh, you find different websites for me too that I have. If you're in San Diego, August 19th, we will have uh, one of our largest productions in the past six years. I know we started on that. Um, our tickets just put it on sale yesterday. Oh, cool. And yeah, if you're, any of you guys are interested, let me know. But yeah, thank you so much for having me and that motorcycle right there. What I was going to say first is from the moment that we first met, you know, this is not, this is a byproduct, right? It was not the goal. Yeah. But that's where life works its ways, you know, because we felt a connection to be present with each other in yeah. one of the hardest places to be present <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, you know, for what I got to be there, of course, for, for your family and extension, for you being out here this way and hitting me up and us coming out here, right? For whatever we do in the future, it's it's all an extension of us as being present. And that's the biggest gift that we can give each other is that usage of time. And uh, yeah, I want to say I really appreciate, you know, you having me out here and looking forward to whatever, you know. I appreciate you as well. Thank you, Anthony <laughs> Kayuka, for being here with me. And I just think it's so magical podcasting, you know, just sharing this yeah. space with whoever listens. I, yeah. I think it's wonderful. Um, the podcast is The Language of Creativity at thelanguageofcreativity.com. And please, if you like the show, give us a review. It helps other people find the show Ooh. as well. Look up Anthony and the wonderful work that your mother's company does as well and check it out online. And until we meet again, yeah, mahalo. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I said that right, right? Mahalo? Yeah, is that Mahalo's right? right. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, you see, until we meet again is ahui ho. You ever say that word? Ahui ho. Yeah, ahui ho. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Like I said, we, we can just, we can go on and on. You know? We could, we could totally do. <laughs> Production support for this episode was by Sam Levine and Michael Bernard. Special thanks to you both. And if you like the Language of Creativity podcast, subscribe. Please share with your friends. You can check us out on Substack if you want to get on our email list. And we hope to bring you more great content like this in the future. I'm Stephen Levitt, and this is the Language of Creativity podcast. Aloha and mahalo. <laughs>